CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live Bible answer program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a question on the Bible or the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. That's 1-8888-ASK-CSN. Now let's get things started. Here's today's host. Hi, and welcome to Thursday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. It's the live apologetics program where we answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, and and we do our best to uh, to help you work through some of those things that uh, that possibly you heard uh, on the radio or maybe even in your own church service, just to be able to verify that it's uh, that it's biblical. We also take time to look at uh, current events and compare compare the uh, the headlines of the newspapers to the to the headlines in uh, in our bible and just see if we can identify some of the signs of the times that the bible has uh, has declared are going to happen so that so that we the bride of christ can uh, can be ready for his return you would probably guess that uh, i am not the mike kessler my name is Greg Blanc, and I have the privilege of pastoring the Calvary Chapel in Rapid City, South Dakota, where you will meet some of the sweetest, sweetest people who are hungry for God's Word and uh, and just desiring to see more of Jesus uh, in uh, in their lives. And if you're wondering, if you're wondering where Rapid City, South Dakota is, we're, we're located. If you, if you look on a map, we're pretty much right there in the center of the country. And, uh, your geographical landmark is Mount Rushmore. We are about 25 miles just north of, uh, of Mount Rushmore. So if you've never seen Mount Rushmore, come and visit South Dakota. Come visit Calvary Chapel, Rapid City. We will uh, we will treat you right. Now, joining joining us today, my good friend, Pastor Scott Parker from Calvary Chapel Festus, Festus, Missouri. Pastor Scott, how are you doing today? I am blessed, Greg. It's great to be with you today. Oh, it's it's incredible. Tell us, tell us. You were we were talking a little bit earlier that you've got some outreach stuff going on, and and you've got a, a mutual friend of ours in town. So just kind of give us an update. What's going yes. on? Yes. Well, you know, here in Festus every year, and we're just uh, located just south of St. Louis. So if anyone is listening on the CSN radio stations, we have two of them in the St. Louis area. And if anyone's listening and you're interested. You can come and join us this Saturday. Uh, Festus every year, this time of year, has a uh, festival called Twin City Days. And so anyway, they, they they close down Main Street and have a street festival there. And what we do every year is we'll have a booth outside there on the street, and we will be inviting people into our church uh, three different times throughout the day uh, to come and watch and to listen to, more importantly, uh, an illusionist and comedian by the name of Dennis Zeck. And so he's from Southern California, and he's with us this weekend. And he's going to be ministering at our church on Sunday morning. But then we're going to be doing that outreach uh, on Saturday, uh, where we're inviting folks to come in of all ages. It'll be fun. It'll be intriguing. But the most important thing is people will learn the Word of God and hear the gospel 
And that's what it's all about, Greg, is uh, we do this outreach um, as an outreach to our community to share the gospel uh, with those that need to hear it. And so Dennis does a fabulous job at using illusion to teach people about deception. And then from there, it's an open door to share the gospel. And uh, we have never had so many people inside our church building uh, at any in any event we've ever had uh, with any speaker or any kind of musician that we've ever had than we've had with the magic man <laughs> who's come and share the gospel with everyone. And, and uh, so we're looking so forward to it. So we're having, actually having three of those events on Saturday, 11 a.m., 1, 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. And all, all the kids will get free popcorn and free balloons and all that. We have special a special gift for all the adults uh, but our main goal here um, is is to be able uh, to get an open door to share the gospel with people. So we'll be doing that inside the building and outside on the streets. And so anyway, this is a big event for us every year. So we're looking forward uh, to getting at it for Jesus this weekend. Oh, that's great. I, I wish I could come. I well, number one, <laughs> I wish, I wish too. I wish I was invited. I wish I was invited to come. Oh, and, and, oh I know that. Shot through the heart, right? Yeah. Um, Next year. No. Okay. You, you got okay. it then. I will mark that down. <laughs> well, we've been, we've been threatening each other with coming to each other's fellowships for a while. Yeah. So, so Scott, I hope that it can work out that you can come out. You have an, yeah, you have an open invitation. Whenever you and your bride want to come and hang out, we will, uh, we will, uh, we will treat you right. And Dennis's ministry, I think it's, uh, uh, ministry through mystery. Mm-hmm. And he uses visual aids and, and, uh, and, uh, illusion to just kind of remind us how easily our eyes can be deceived and our hearts can be deceived. And then he just springs into the gospel and you're fortunate because you have his lovely bride there yes. too, Sandy. And so, uh, so, uh, you're, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have an incredible time. Um, yeah, and she's going to be teaching um, our women's ministry uh-huh. on Monday night, and so we we have them here for like a week. So we're putting them to work. Well, so Dennis and her both are going to be teaching the Bible and doing their thing. So anyway, but if anyone's interested, uh, they can go to our website or our Facebook page, um, and all the information's there. So just yeah. give yeah, give your website real quick if you don't mind. It's ccfestus.com. CC is in Calvary Chapel, so CC. Festus, that's F-E-S-T-U-S dot com. Very good. Very good. Very good. All right. Hey, and um, I don't know if anybody can see over my over my shoulder here, but uh, we are, uh, if the people that are driving certainly can, but we are, we're hosting our, our singles conference uh, again this year. It's going to be on September 16th. So it's just a little over a week away. And we've got people coming from, uh, from all over the country. It's kind of, it's kind of cool. We're, uh, our, the theme of our conference is amazing love. And I'm teaching three sessions and, and we're going to have some breakout sessions so that the people can get together and, and, uh, and make new friends. We're catering a meal and we're, uh, we're opening up to everybody. And so all of you, uh, faithful team of people, will you please be praying that God would bring us some people that need to hear the gospel and need to surrender their uh, their hearts to Christ. And if you want some more information, you can just go to uh, CalvaryChapelRapidCity.com. And there's a link there. There's a uh, there's about a minute and a half video that uh, that I put out. And just uh, if if you don't mind, go on your Facebook page and just 
forward that to everybody you can. And how great would it be if if uh, one of your friends or somebody that you forwarded that to actually came, uh, showed up and uh, and gave their hearts to the Lord. And and I know that you just got back from Israel a little while back. We're going uh, next month. And maybe we'll chat about that at uh, at the bottom of the hour. But I think it's time. Isn't it time to uh, to get to the phones? I think it is. We have some okay. calls waiting. So, all right, let's uh, let's do that. And and just as a uh, as a reminder, uh, let's give let's give that uh, let's give that phone number one more time. It's eighty eight eighty eight ask CSN. We've got a couple of lines open, and if you call in now, we'll be doing our best to to get you on right away. But let's uh, let's go to Ken. Let's go to Ken in Hamilton. Montana. Welcome to the program, Ken. How can we help? Well, I just had a brief question here. Uh, regard, we were in a discussion with some folks, and I was curious. My understanding is that the raptured saints are going to be coming back with Christ, and, and somebody was showing me and trying to tell me that it was actually the tribulation saints that have come back with Christ and rule and reign. I just wanted to clarify that. Yep. Well, uh, well, I think that your friend, whoever was sharing that with you, just might be might be mistaken because it's clear when you look in uh, in your Bible and you look at uh, you're talking about Revelation 19. And we get a list of there being a great multitude in heaven, and they're saying, hallelujah, and, and glory and honor and power uh, belong to our Lord, and and give a list of just how great God is. And then when we sneak down to, I think it's right around, right around verse verse 7 or so, um says let us uh, let us be glad and rejoice and and give him glory talking about Jesus for the marriage of the lamb has come and, and the bride has made herself ready and then it was uh, it was granted to them it says this this in verse 8 it was granted to them to uh to uh be arrayed in fine linen and then it goes on to say that that uh, I think it's right around verse 16 or so that that uh, that we return we return with the Lord, and that is definitely the church. Raptured saints uh, uh, have been in heaven for the entirety of the tribulation period, that seven-year period. The uh, tribulation saints don't uh, don't receive their glorified bodies yet. Hey, Scott, why don't you give them a little more information mm-hmm. on uh, on those different resurrections and when uh, when we'll actually all be together in the millennial reign? Sure. So Ken also actually had my Bible open to Revelation 19, <laughs> the same place that Greg shared with you. There you go. Uh, because it makes it very clear that the saints are there at the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven with the Lord, clothed in white. And then you see uh, the church return with Jesus to the earth, uh, which is prior to the millennial reign. Um, and that's why we believe in what we would call a pre-millennial return of Jesus Christ, meaning that Jesus will come physically, bodily to the earth before, pre, before the millennium. And he'll be the one uh, who will come and uh, at the Battle of Armageddon, uh, defeat all the armies of the world, the Antichrist, all of that. 
and then he'll he'll eventually very shortly after that set up his kingdom. Uh, another scripture that would go with that would be Jude chapter one verse fourteen, uh, where Jude tells us that the Lord comes. He's talking about the second coming. When he comes, he'll come with ten thousands of his saints. And so that's this is one of the classic differences between the rapture and the second coming. Um, there are many of them. Uh, we could list several of them, the differences between the rapture and the second coming, that they are two different events. The rapture is pretty much phase one of the second coming of Christ, and the second coming, what we call the second coming, is would be phase two. Uh, phase one, the rapture is where Jesus comes as far as the clouds and the dead believers uh, this is all according to First Thessalonians chapter four, verses thirteen and on, and First Corinthians chapter fifteen. Two classic places that uh, tell us this. Uh, but what we see is when Jesus comes in the clouds, then uh, the dead believers rise from the dead. That's the resurrection, and then we see the, the believers that are alive at that time. That generation of Christians who are alive at that time will be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air, in the clouds. And this says we'll always be with the Lord. Uh, so as as uh, Greg said, we'll spend seven years with the Lord in heaven while the tribulation is going on, and then we will return again. So again, that's one of the main differences between the rapture and the second coming is this. In the rapture, the Lord comes for his saints. At the second coming, he comes with his saints as it says there in Jude chapter one, verse 14. And uh, so there's uh, definitely a big difference between the rapture of the second coming, and it will be right there, be- right before the millennium, before Jesus sets up the millennium, he returns, and he returns with his church. And uh, the um, uh, millennial believers, uh, I'm sorry, the tribulation saints uh, and believers that get saved during the tribulation period uh, then will be raised from the dead to join us in ruling and reigning in the millennial reign. Um, so that's what we see when we read Revelation chapter 20. Chapter chapter 20, the first uh, part of that chapter lays all that out for us. So, Greg? That's excellent, Scott. I always, I always love hearing you share the details of God's Word. So, uh, Ken, does that help you there, buddy? It does, and I appreciate your time. And I believe my friend was listening, so I, I've been, everything you said is 100%, so thank you. Hey, um, your fr- and if your friend has more questions, he's more than welcome. Have him call in. We'll be, we'll be more than happy to answer his question. And, and Ken, if you don't mind, would you, would you just stay on the line and give your info to the screener and we'll, uh, we'll send you out a couple of books, couple of, uh, couple of DVDs that will help you in your spiritual growth. We'll try and get you out, uh, I think it's uh, God versus evolution is uh, one of them. And I still think that we have God of wonders and, and I hope we still have copies of, uh, of pastor Mike's uh, little booklet. It's, it's time to grow and, and uh, maybe 101 uh, prophecies, just a little tiny booklet carried around with you all the time. It's a great, it's a great witnessing tool. So, so Ken, we sure appreciate you calling in today. Let's go to uh, our next caller. Looks like it's Tom in Meridian, Idaho. Great to have you on the program today. How can we help you? Yes, I know that the um, Bible teaches that as a Christian, absent from the body is present with the Lord. What about the unsaved? Where do they yeah. spirits end up? Well, it's that is an excellent 
question. You know, ultimately, uh, we were just there in Revelation 20. Ultimately, all unbelievers will stand before the great white throne judgment. And that's, uh, that's in uh, Revelation 20. But prior to that, prior to that, we get, uh, we get a little bit of information from, uh, what do we read there in Luke? Luke 16. Got to pop on another pair of glasses here. Talking about the rich man <laughs> and, uh, Lazarus. Are you laughing at me? Cause, cause I can't. No, see. not at all. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. So, uh, are you familiar with that passage of scripture? There, Tom. Yeah, I just, I just didn't know Rich if that man. was, if that still held true that they're in, like a holdover place or something, or well, are they we, actually in? We know that uh, we know that the paradise side of that uh, has been emptied, but but what we commonly what we commonly call hell is where people who don't know the Lord go directly after uh after they die and and we know that there's prior prior to Jesus and his and his resurrection that people would there were two compartments of uh of sheol and and sheol just literally it means the the abode of the dead the abode of the dead and there were there were apparently two compartments there was paradise and there was there was Hades and 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 obviously the rich man could see Abraham and you know also paradise also known as Abraham's bosom and he's saying just just take just take a, a a little bit of water on the tip of on the tip of your finger and touch my tongue I mean that's how that's how much torment there is in hell and and when people tell me that they're not concerned about going to hell or they don't believe in hell or they'll they'll start singing you know some acdc song you know hell ain't a bad place to be i just say hey hey hey, hold up bro hell is an incredibly horrible place to be and i don't want you to go there and i want you to surrender your heart to christ so um yes right now they're uh, they're in uh, in what we would what we would commonly call hell. Pastor Scott, add some. Yes, to you're that, exactly. Please. Sure, Greg, you're exactly right. And again, we're right on track here. I had my Bible open to Luke 16, <laughs> uh, where Jesus, you know, gave that. Some people say it's a parable. Some people say that you know it's a it's a historical event, a true story, because Jesus uses the name Lazarus for the beggar. Uh, regardless of that, here's the point. Jesus is giving us a look into what happens uh, to unbelievers when they die. And it tells us very clearly in verse 22 of that chapter that the rich man also died, just like the beggar did, who was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And Craig covered that, what happened to that part uh, of paradise. Uh, but then again, it says the rich man died also and was buried. And it says in being to- in torment in Hades. And what's interesting about that word Hades is that word Hades is the Greek word for the word hell. It's one of the Greek words in the New Testament for the, for hell. And it literally of a temporary holding tank. It's speaking of a place that when unbelievers die, they immediately go. The Bible is very clear. One one of the ways that we're made in the image of God is God is eternal, 
Well, we're not eternal like God was because God's eternal in the sense of past, present, and future. Uh, we're eternal in the sense of future. Uh, God never had a beginning. He wasn't created. We did. We had a beginning. So we're not eternal like God is. But one of the ways God made us in his image was when he created us with a spirit and soul, that spirit and soul is going to live forever somewhere. And when we die, it's very clear from Jesus' words that if we do not have faith, have faith in Christ, we don't have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, we don't have the Holy Spirit, our sins have not been forgiven, and we don't have eternal life, the only alternative is eternal death, as we see in the New Testament. So um, what we see is here that rich man, when he died, he went to Hades, which Jesus explains to us it's a place of torment. Um, when you read other gospel accounts where Jesus is speaking about hell, he speaks of it as a place of torment, a place of darkness, a place of fire, a place where there's uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth and weeping and wailing and all of this. It's a horrible place, and that's why he says torments here. And so what's interesting is uh, the way I like to kind of think of this um, when you're thinking about an unbeliever's future destiny is when they die, just as a Christian, as you said, uh, Tom, just as as a Christian, we die and we're immediately in the presence of the Lord, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Well, for unbelievers, to be absent from the body is to be then present in hell, uh, in Hades. But there's another Greek word in the New Testament that is also translated hell that Jesus used quite often, and it's a word Gehenna. And that is the word that is most, uh, the most closely identified with what is called in the New Testament, the lake of fire. And that is, as Greg said from Revelation chapter 20, that is the final destination for all unbelievers because what's going to happen is after the millennial reign is over, that thousand year period's over, Revelation chapter 20, the second half of chapter 20 then is Greg shared, uh, all the dead, and when it says dead there, it's speaking of both the physically dead, because at that time, the only people who will be physically dead at Revela in Revelation chapter 20 will be those who are unbelievers. Why? Because all of the believers from all ages, Old Testament saints, the church, tribulation saints, will all have been raised from the dead from that time. So the dead speaks of the physically dead, which will be unbelievers, and the word dead there also speaks of those spiritually dead. And so they're going to be raised from the dead. They're going to stand before the Lord in judgment, and they're going to be judged according to their works, and then they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. And so what's interesting is hell is that temporary holding place for an unbeliever, uh, and then the final destination where they'll spend eternity is the lake of fire. And I like to think of it this way. It's in, in our, the way for us to kind of make sense of this is, you know, when a man commits a crime and he gets arrested, um, he goes to jail and he goes there, uh, until his judgment. And then when his judgment has been meted out, he then goes to prison. And so for the unbeliever, hell is like county jail and the lake of fire is like prison, except there's no parole and there's no getting out of it. Um, it's for eternity. So that's that's the destiny of unbelievers. Uh, Greg? No, that's uh, another great, another great answer. Juan, does that help you? Yeah. Could I ask your opinion on somebody? Uh, sure. Sure. Of course. Derek, Derek Prince. Derek Brids. Okay, I've got some thoughts. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Scott. 
Well, I'll make it short because I want to hear yours. <laughs> well, you know, uh, did you say Derek Prince? Yes. Okay. I th- I'm so sorry. I actually thought that you said um, Joseph Prince because um, I know Joseph Prince, the guy who preaches and teaches today uh, on, um, you know, on, on TV is a basically a prosperity gospel preacher, you know, uh, word of faith prosperity teacher. Derek Prince, though, I think was not too short of that. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think he was also charismatic, very charismatic and a demon hunter and stuff like that, if I'm not mistaken. So, Greg, I'll give it back to you. That's yeah, that's exactly where I was going. You know, he's uh, I I'm I don't think he's alive anymore. I think he was around in 50s, 60s, 70s, maybe, maybe later. Um, but, but I think he was one of those guys that, that was a little looser, you know, on, on interpretation of the scriptures than we would be. You know, we, we're pretty conservative. We don't, we don't like, we like to have an it is written and a thus saith. We will speculate at, uh, at times, but we don't like to. And, and there are some people that will build their whole ministries on, uh, on speculation. But it, it sounds, it sounds like Tom that, that is there, is there a specific reason that you're asking that question? And we only got, uh, about a minute or so left. So, so, uh, is there a reason? Yeah. Some friends moved to like Tennessee or something and, and it's been coming up on Facebook and I, I listened to David Guzik and Pastor Chuck and stuff like that. I didn't know I heard that name. I thought, well, I wonder who he is, you know, if he's biblical well, or what. Let me just let me just say this, you know, because I'll just say this. You are in very good company with David Guzik and Pastor Chuck. And uh, I would just encourage people to stay uh uh, under the teaching of people that are less controversial, you know, it, it's just it's just safer that way when people are when people are bound. Uh, I think it was Martin Luther who said that my conscience is bound to the word of God. And uh, and so I love guys that have modeled that for years. And and obviously that was that was Pastor Chuck's modus operandi. He would just he would just teach he would just teach the word and he wouldn't get uh he wouldn't get he wouldn't get loose with his doctrine. So Tom, I hope that answers it for you and again we appreciate you taking the time to uh call in, call in anytime and and please stay on the line and give uh our screener your information and we'll send you out a couple of things that will help you in your spiritual growth and uh if you can't use those, just carry them around with you as uh as uh tools to be able to share the gospel with other people. Well, You can hear the music. We're coming up on the break. We will catch you on the other side. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is so frustrating. But here's some great news. If you were just notified that your Medicare costs are increasing, a program out there can really help you with your medical bills. And it's worth taking a minute to look into MediShare 65 plus. It's not insurance. Members actually say it's better. It's a Christian healthcare community that aligns with your faith and where people encourage and pray for you. 
And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You choose any Medicare provider, and you get telehealth access anytime you need it. And this is great, too. Unlike health insurance, you can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. So don't get stuck with increasing costs. Call MediShare 65 Plus and find out how much you can save. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. More than ever, pastors need to feel people's love and support. Over the last few years, many pastors have seriously considered leaving their church. But 1 Thessalonians 5.12 instructs all churches and all Christians to show and share their deep appreciation for those who minister to them. There is no better time to do this than Pastor Appreciation Month in October. And there's no better way to do it than using the easy as one, two, three Bless Your Pastor materials that are available for free at blessyourpastor.org. That's blessyourpastor.org. Plus, the great news is that if your church uses the one, two, three Bless Your Pastor materials, the pastors at your church will be offered a $300 scholarship application to attend a Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage Retreat. What a blessing this will be to your pastors and their spouses. For free materials, go to blessyourpastor.org. That's blessyourpastor.org. Welcome back to Thursday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. My name is Greg Blanc. I'm filling in for Pastor uh, Mike Kessler today. And joining me today, we have a incredibly special guest host. <laughs> that would be the, the Pastor Scott Parker from, uh, from, uh, Calvary Chapel, Festus, Missouri. Scott, is that, is that exactly how you paid me to say it? That well, yes, <laughs> but I'm thinking all I was thinking was this after that, I'm like, I got nowhere to go but down now. <laughs> no, I think no, man. If I if I lived in Festus, I'd go to your church. Well, thank you, thank I'd you. Go to your church. I'd, I'd no, I no, it'd be great. I, w- I would learn, I would, uh, I would learn a lot, and and I would uh, go we're to yours get, too. Yeah, well, look at you, look at you, uh, but um, I don't think, I don't think I would take those, I would not take those bike trails you take though. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I come on. No, well, I'd I'm get I'd get you chicken. out there. Well, <laughs> we'd 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 start on the bunny slopes of the mountain bike trails to get you started. And if you didn't want to go anywhere, Harry, then we would just go out and ride and do something super easy, just so we could have some fellowship and look, <laughs> look for opportunities to tell people about uh, about uh, about uh, Jesus. Hey, um, at the top of the hour, you and I were just chatting a little bit. Uh, we've got an Israel trip coming up, and I think did you go in February or March? When did you? No, go? we went May? in November. We went in November. So that's we're what I said. Up, November. Yeah, yeah we're coming no. up on a year. <laughs> yeah, you did say November, didn't you? Yeah, November. I got to like cover that. the host better than this. I tell you, I'm. I'm dropping the ball, but anyway, yeah. So, and, and we already have people in our church uh, who are interested in going again. So we may be putting another trip together again here soon. Isn't it? Well, so. uh, you know, uh, trips to Israel, you know, the, the it's tripled in the last year. It's not mm-hmm. easy. Remember back in the day, and no. it wasn't that long ago before COVID. It's not that it was easy to get tours, 
when we when they fit in our particular schedules but these days now that uh, tourism has increased by well it's tripled and prices have gone up and mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff so so any of you that are watching uh, or or listening don't pass on your opportunities to uh, to be able to go to Israel i um We've got, we've got a young guy, uh, who, uh, was listening to CSN about a month ago and he contacted us about going on our tour and he's actually going to go with us. He's actually going to go come to our, uh, uh, our singles conference as, uh, as well. So a shout out to Dave. Looking forward to meeting you and, and just, uh, enjoying some fellowship and, and uh and getting yeah. to know you. So those those things are great. Tell me tell me two things that you love about your Israel trips. Oh my goodness, two things. There's so <laughs> I'm many. Too. <laughs> well, I mean, definitely the garden tomb. Yep. Going going to the garden tomb is fabulous. And and the Sea of Galilee. I mean, my goodness, taking that ride on the Sea of Galilee and um, you know, just just being being out there on the sea. And being able to look around at all that's around the sea and that Jesus ministered in all those places, uh, it's just breathtaking. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I can't wait. I'm, I'm going out three weeks early. No, I'm going out. I'll be there. I'll be in Israel for three weeks. I'm going out about 10 days early before the rest of, uh, the team gets there and going to go and stay with some friends and spy out the land. See, see some new sites to decide if I want to. I want to take our uh, our team there, but yeah, I'm I'm jonesed up. I haven't been there since 2018, so looking looking forward to it. Well, I think it's time. Let's get back. Uh, let's get back to our calls. We've got uh, we've got Jeffrey in Fort Worth, Texas. Welcome to the program. What's your uh, what's your what's your question, Jeffrey? Well, thank you. Yes, and I apologize. I'm driving a big rig, so if you the no background, <laughs> keep your noise, hands on the problem, wheel, brother. I apologize. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, so here's uh, kind of set up my question a little bit. I, I've heard preachers in the past, uh, I believe, preach incorrectly when I've heard them say, you have the rapture of the church and then seven years and then boom, Armageddon. I've, scripturally, I don't believe that that's the case because the, it's the, uh, it, according to Daniel, it, excuse me, according to Daniel, this when the Antichrist confirms the covenant with, with Israel. And, and so that's, that does not, or that's when the tribulation begins, according to what I understand. But my, uh, but here is my question: How much do you guys think of a gap period there would be? And and my in my what I study, what I believe, I believe that it could be as much as three and a half years, based on Ezekiel thirty-eight thirty-nine, where they're burning the weapons for seven years, and we know that at the end of the tribute, the latter half of the tribulation. Israel's on the run, so they can't be sitting around burning weapons. And, uh, uh, you know, and I, I believe that that Ezekiel 38, 39 scenario happens right around the time, right, you know, uh, before the rapture, as my, my belief. Uh, and I'd like to know your feedback on that to see what your, what your thoughts are. Well, we, we certainly appreciate, uh, your question and uh we appreciate uh we appreciate where you're at right now you know i think that most of the pastors probably all the pastors that are on the programs uh are going to be pre-trib pre-mill for obvious reasons and and i'm not sure why because you part of what you just said 
proved the argument for a pre-tribulation rapture when you're talking about in Ezekiel 39, where uh, it says that uh, that the that the weapons that are acquired when uh, we have the uh, we have Gog from Agog, and he brings down his coalition, his coalition of uh, armies from different countries. Iran is going to be represented in Persia, which is Iran, Libya. Turkey, um, Ethiopia, they are all going to come and attack, uh, and attack Israel. And then in, uh, in, in chapter 39, God just comes and says, no, no, you're not. And he, and he takes them out and he says that Israel is going to be burning those weapons for, uh, seven years. Now, obviously we're not going to be burning weapons into the millennial reign of Christ. That's not going to make any sense. So we would say that the, uh, the Magog invasion or the war of Magog, uh, is going to happen either, uh, right before or, uh, or right after the rapture of the church from a, from a, from a pre-trib view. And I know that sounds like you're either uh, mid-trib or, or pre-wrath or some, some form in between. We would, we would believe in the, the imminency of Christ. Jesus said that he's going to return as a thief in the night. And that means that he can return. We would say that there's nothing else in scripture that has to be fulfilled until, uh, until his, uh, 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 well, nothing has to be fulfilled for Jesus to return for his church. And we read in, I think it's, uh, I think it's Revelation three, right around verse 10. It says, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. And we also read in Luke 21, 36, it says, watch. Jesus says this. It's important to pay attention to what Jesus says. Uh, watch, therefore, and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And, and what, what, what is Jesus talking about? Escape. Escape what? Escape all of his judgments of the tribulation period, because we would believe, we would believe that, that all of the judgments that we see from Revelation 6 on, those are all judgments of God. Because guess who? Guess who is opening the seals? It's Jesus. It's not the Antichrist. It's Jesus popping open, uh, each of those seals. So that's, that's why we would say, you know, we never throw down over this stuff. I think that you have probably Realize that, Jeffrey, we, we, there's no need to throw down about, uh, um, where you stand on, uh, on, uh, the rapture of the church. But we, we all agree that there will be a rapid, uh, a rapture of the church. We just believe, Calvary's would believe and, and most evangelical churches would believe that, uh, that the preponderance of the biblical support leads us to a uh, a pre-tribulation rapture. Pastor Scott, what are your thoughts? What can you help Jeffrey with and and answer his question? It's a good question. Yeah, it is a good question and it is one actually Jeffrey that that's a question that a lot of good uh Bible teachers who who actually specialize if I want to use that word, right? Specialize in prophecy. A lot of good prophecy teachers are talking 
talking about that now because of what we're seeing in our world, you know, with the alignment of Russia, Iran, Turkey, and all of that, uh, this whole Ezekiel 38, 39 scenario uh, comes up. And so your question's valid, your question's good, and it's one that's being asked by a lot of good prophecy teachers today. You are correct in that what begins the tribulation period is not the rapture. I think that is a misnomer a lot of Christians have. They they do think that rapture happens, and then, hey, you're in the tribulation. Um, what begins the tribulation, again, according to Daniel chapter 9, as you said, Jeffrey, is the uh, the um, treaty that the Antichrist makes with the nation of Israel. And when you look at that, it's interesting because the first sealed judgment that is broken it is the Antichrist riding a white horse coming within peace, which lines up perfectly with Daniel chapter uh, 9. And so there it is. That that I think what we see there in Revelation chapter 6 in the first seal judgment, that's the beginning of the tribulation. Now, is there a gap between the rapture and the tribulation? We don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. But there appears to be, now I will say this, I've heard good prophecy teachers saying the gap is going to be, if there is one, that's going to be very small, very short, uh, maybe days or weeks, because of the turmoil that will ensue in the world because of the rapture happening. And that will be the reason and need for the Antichrist to come forward to try to bring peace to the world. I think that is a viable uh, interpretation, a viable way to think and to look at it. Others believe that another reason why the Antichrist there in the first seal, why he is coming forth with peace is because uh, it's it appears that the whole battle of uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39 uh, happens just at, right after the rapture. And then the Antichrist, you know, after the Lord defends Israel, he comes on the scene to make a covenant with them, promising them protection from their enemies. Um, so there's these different ideas about it. Uh, I don't think it's insignificant to notice it takes seven years to bury the weapons and the tribulation seven years. Um, so it could be that those weapons, if, if, if that battle happens after the rapture, then what we see is those weapons being burned through the tribulation, maybe halfway through or maybe all the way through tribulation. Um, or if it, if that battle happens before the rapture, then there wouldn't be any problem at all with those weapons being burned, uh, before the tribulation's over and we go into the millennium because as Greg said, there's no evidence at all that they'll be burning weapons <laughs> during the millennium. That's going to be a whole <laughs> different world when Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom. Uh, but those are good questions. And, uh, I really do, Jeffrey, uh, agree with your, your thought process, process there. I tend to think, um, just my personal opinion, if I can give that, I, I tend to think that, uh, there has to be some sort of gap. Now, some Bible scholars and some prophecy experts actually say that the gap between the rapture and the, the tribulation could even be a few years. Um, so we don't know. Um, I, I don't think that just simply because of the chaos that will ensue in the world after the rapture, I think the Antichrist will need to step up 
and he will need to try to bring peace to the world, uh, just as it says there, uh, when the first seal is broken. Um, but yeah, there's, there's really good, uh, prophecy teachers now that really are talking a lot about that, that if, especially if that battle takes place right before the rapture or right after the rapture, um, there has to be a time gap to allow for that. So I agree with that. So great. Yep. Jeffrey, does that, uh, does that help you? Oh, yes, absolutely. I, and I am a pre-trib, pre, uh, pre-millennial guy. I didn't mean to make that sound ah, like that was the case. Okay. Uh, but, All right. So, but my, yeah, and what I see is, and I think you're kind of, you guys are pretty well on with where, with my thought, but I see a three, a rapture, a minimum of three and a half years, then, then, uh, then, then the seven year tribulation. So there, there is that time with a three and a half year gap, then the, then that beginning three and a half years of the tribulation where they have time to build, burn those weapons. And uh, that's that's just my point. I also believe that the beginning of uh, I guess like thirty nine two or three, uh, where did that uh, says God decimates five six of those armies, and I think that that might well just be the the concoction that's needed to to establish where the, the temple can be rebuilt because they will have decimated most of their enemies at the, at that point. So anyway, I appreciate yeah. your time, and uh, no. and I dropped the call for a couple of minutes. So if I ju- if I touched on something y'all talked about, like as if I didn't hear you, that's why. Well, that's, that's the beautiful thing. Just go back to, uh, to, to every man and answer, go to the Facebook page and you'll be able to run it back and, uh, and to be able to hear anything that uh, you might have missed. Jeffrey, we are grateful for your call today. Thank you. Thank you for being a guy who studies the, the word of God and we'd like to bless you. So if uh, you don't mind, leave your uh, information with the screener. And we'll uh, we'll get you out some books and some DVDs that will help you in uh, in your spiritual growth. So sure appreciate that. Let's uh, let's go to uh, to Brett. Let's see where you're at, Maryville, Missouri. Scotty, do you know where that is, Maryville? You know, I cannot pinpoint where Maryville is at. Well, I'm so sorry find, to say that. Let's find out, <laughs> Brett. Where is Maryville? That's in the. Uh... Most northwest corner of Missouri, ah, pretty much. That's right. Which, that's right. That's, that's where my phone number's out. I actually don't live in Maryville, but I'm I'm fairly oh. close. Okay, very good, Brett. Thanks yeah. for calling. What's your question? Uh, I just I wanted your guys' insight and opinion, uh, pretty much on speaking in tongues. Um, you know, I've studied into it uh, a few different times in my interpretation. More, I more have always leaned towards, you know, it's just uh, speaking in, in different languages. Like when the disciples first received the Holy Spirit, um, they were speaking in other people's native languages. So I've always interpreted that. I've always had, you know, a, a, a bit of a mystery behind it because Paul also speaks about it later on in, in his books that he wrote, um, you know, about speaking in tongues and having an interpreter and everything. But Anyways, what really has led up to this, I, I was speaking to somebody else or talking to somebody else, and it was evident that, that God used speaking in tongues to this person. They had went to church. Um, they had really hadn't been in church for a while, and they were speaking in tongues in this church. And the interpreter, um, when they interpreted it, said it was saying, you know, you've been running from God, and it's time to stop running from God and let him control your life. Pretty much that's me paraphrasing. Um so it's a, and undoubtedly God spoke to this person in this way. I, I, I don't doubt that one bit that, that God's all-powerful and he can do that. Um, so 
so then I kind of started, you know, having more questions about it. I kind of started looking into it again. And then uh, lo and behold, like a week later from church, this lady in our Sunday school class, she was explaining, she's like, yeah, you know, I have this nephew. A few years ago, he was in the shower. He was an atheist. He started speaking in tongues in the shower with nobody around. But then after that, you know, ended up becoming a preacher and uh, living his life for God and accepted Christ and all this stuff. I'm just like, wow, you know, it's it's pretty amazing that, that God pretty much reveals that, hey, you know what, I can do what I want, how I want, when I want. Um, but biblically, I just I wanted your guys' opinion, insight on on both of those uh, speaking in tongues. Is it biblically, is there places that you feel like, yes, it is a heavenly voice um, spoken from heaven, from God, that needs an interpretation, or do you lean more towards, or also, does it pair up, is it somebody speaking in a native tongue uh, to a language they might not know, but is a native language to somebody else? Brett, that is an incredible question, and one that I think that uh, I think that every believer has probably asked at some point in their life. And where I would land on this is that I believe that uh, it's it's not an either or; it's a both and. I believe that there is like at like at Pentecost. That's pretty clear, right? where they spoke and people heard them in their own native languages. I think that that was a known language. And then Paul, Paul talks about uh, a language that you can have that is just uh, an enhancement of your prayer life with the Lord. You know, I think that, I think that, that some people have taken a lot of liberty on what the Bible says tongues is and how it is to be exercised, especially in uh in a uh uh in a in a in a church setting in a in a church service it says this uh, and for anybody out there who 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 wants a little more information on this just read through 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 and you will get more information you will you will learn a lot just from uh, those two chapters because the holy spirit has been very very thorough in laying out exactly what it is and and what it isn't. So in uh in chapter 14 verse 1 it says uh pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God for no one understands him however in the spirit he speaks mysteries. So that's talking about what uh what what we would just kind of rudiment Certainly, say is is our prayer language. Not everybody has that gift, and I'll I'll tell you this: I think that a lot of people that may claim to have that gift eh, maybe don't. But look at look at verse three. It says, "But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself." See, it's it's something that you it's it's between you and the Lord. But he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all, this is the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul saying this in verse 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. And obviously in that chapter it talks about uh about the necessity. If there is going to be a tongue given, in a uh uh 
in, in, in a public, in a public service, there has to be interpretation. And in verse 26 of chapter 14, it says, how is it then, brethren, when you have come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. And this, I think a lot of people could learn from. It says, let all things be done in decency, uh, and, uh, and in, and in, and in order. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three at most in turn and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him uh, keep silent in the church and let him speak himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. And that's let the others judge. Um, the Holy Spirit is never going to deny himself he is, if he is speaking through someone who is giving a tongue. So if someone is giving some loopy, you know, <laughs> there have been some folks in the past, you know, my little children, you know, kind of, and, and that it's, it's, it's going to be probably something very basic, something very exhortative, maybe an admonishment. Uh, and a challenge to grow, uh, to grow deeper in the Lord. And then in verse 33, it says, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in uh, all the churches of, uh, of the saints. So, um, plenty of information there, Scott. Mm-hmm. What can you add, buddy? Well, I tell you, there's, like you said, if you read those two chapters, you get a, you get a whole schooling on, on the gifts of the Spirit, especially this one. And it's interesting. You go back to second or first Corinthians chapter 12. It's very clear that speaking in tongues, uh, and, um, also, uh, interpretation of tongues is a spiritual gift that I personally believe is still for believers today, that it's still active in the church. Um, I also believe, uh, that according to uh, verse 30 of chapter 12, as Greg said, not all believers possess that gift. And verse 30 of chapter 12 tells us that. And it tells us in chapter 11 that it's up to the Holy Spirit to distribute those gifts, it says, as he wills. So I don't see any reason to believe that this particular gift has ceased with the apostles or ceased with the canon of Scripture, as some do believe that, some really good uh, Christian people and Bible teachers believe that. I don't believe that because then what would be the point of it being included in the New Testament for us today? Um, and also because, you know, I've, I've, I've seen this gift work in a biblical way. And I think too, to help kind of discern when it comes to, uh, this gift, it, it's very clear in 1 Corinthians 14 that Greg read, um, where it says, he who speaks in an unknown tongue or speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but they speak to God. Mm. So what that tells us is prophecy is when prophecy is being spoken, that gift of prophecy, that is something spoken from God to man, but tongues is being spoken from man to God. And so we'll have to stop there because I hear the music. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That, that is an excellent, that is an excellent response. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Pastor Scott, for being on the program today. And, and Brett, thanks it. for calling in. Give your information to, uh, to the screener. Philip had left a, uh, a question on, uh, resources for the book of Revelation. 
You might uh, try J. Vernon McGee and David Guzik, and maybe James. Program. Please call All right, we'll see you next time. Or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 